You are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. Hi, I'm Mike, founder of DollarShaveClub.com. What is DollarShaveClub.com? Well, for a dollar a month, we send high-quality razors right to your door. Yeah, a dollar. Are the blades any good? No. Our blades are f***ing great. Each razor has stainless steel blades and aloe vera lubricating strip and a pivot head. It's so gentle a toddler could use it. And do you like spending $20 a month on brand name razors? 19 go to Roger Federer. I'm good at tennis. And do you think your razor needs a vibrating handle, a flashlight, a back scratcher, and 10 blades? Your handsome ass grandfather had one blade and polio. Looking good, pop up! Stop paying for shave tech you don't need. And stop forgetting to buy your blades every month. Alejandro and I are going to ship them right to you. We're not just selling razors. We're also making new jobs. Alejandro, what were you doing last month? Not working. What are you doing now? Working. I'm no Vanderbilt, but this train makes hay. So stop forgetting to buy your blades every month and start deciding where you're going to stack all those dollar bills I'm saving you. We are DollarShaveClub.com, and the party is on. In uncertain times, we could use someone to lean on. Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Oklahoma will stand by you with plan options to fit your budget. If you've recently lost your job, had a baby, or moved, you can still get the health care coverage you and your family need. Financial help may be available for those who qualify. Call 855-452-BLUE or visit hereforyouok.com to see if you're eligible to enroll. Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Oklahoma, a division of Healthcare Service Corporation, a mutual legal reserve company. Get to Kohl's and take an extra 25% off Adidas for the entire family. Plus, with an extra 15% off, get up to 50% off the big one bedding. And save on Nike athletic shoes for kids. Plus, get Kohl's cash. Plus, limited contact store drive up. Right now at Kohl's and Kohl's.com. Offers valid July 17th through July 26th. 15% offer with promo code Big Savings. 25% off Adidas. Offers and coupons do not apply. Select styles. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. KLRN Radio has advertising rates available. We have rates to fit almost any budget. Contact us at advertising at klrnradio.com. The following program contains coarse language and adult themes. Listener discretion is advised.
Oh, crap. Apparently, when I was turning down my volume, I accidentally hit the space bar. So we've been muted for about two minutes. Anyway. Sorry. <laughs> test, test, test. Can y'all hear us now? It should be good. And that's why we have definitive proof of aliens. Okay, on to Thanksgiving now. <laughs> oh, I hate it when that happens. I need to change that hotkey. As I bump my I space know. bar, I yeah. guess. <clears throat> anyway. Okay, they they say that they hear us now. I don't know what happened because I unmuted. Yeah. Anyway, I guess at some point I accidentally remuted again. Oh, well, at least we caught it before twenty minutes this time. Just saying. True. Just saying. True. True. This is why we lean on chat to keep us in line <laughs> and serve as our guardrails for the program. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 beloved. They're they're so essential. Chat is just awesome. They're like ex assistant executive producers at this point, because half the time I wouldn't even know if stuff was working if it wasn't for chat. Very true. Very true. All righty. So moving on, <laughs> moving past the whole birthday palooza. <laughs> exactly. Mm, well, we've um, we've got a little bit of a full slate here tonight, but uh, I think we probably should start on a high note, I suppose, and talk about. What happened to college football this weekend? Yeah, it was. Um, it was you guys really, won. We won and fired our coach all at the same time. So you won twice. <laughs> I think so. Honestly, it has been the most. I, there are no words to describe what has been going on with this whole situation with Jimbo Fisher. I mean, I mean, we were, we were discussing this when he was at FSU. He was great. It was awesome. And uh, so we gave a huge payout by then standards. It was big to Kevin Sumlin to, so that we could acquire Jimbo Fisher. And now we have the singular distinction of having two spots and the top 10 largest payouts for firing coaches in NCAA history. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I, I don't understand how they, I mean, I always, you know, talk with Ordy on our Thursday show, Culture Shift, <laughs> about how much I love following Hollywood economics because none of it makes a damn bit of sense. Sports aren't that far behind, however. No, I really don't understand what's going on. I do know that they have been, this, this stuff has been an issue for months, for close to an, a year. They've been wanting to figure out a way to get rid of Jimbo Fisher. Now, personally speaking, I didn't want to get the guy. I was like, yeah, I, I get that Kevin's not performing. Everybody goes through a slump. That you know, But Kevin Sumlin is a fine coach. And the Board of Regents, you know, they wanted Jimbo Fisher. And they... Lured Jimbo Fisher with a huge purse. And so here's Jimbo. And all he is bringing with him apparently was his name. The first year was fine. Second year was okay. And then it just started going downhill. And you and I discussed what reminded me of Jimbo. I mean, I, the whole situation with him kept reminding me of something. Someone. There was something going on. I could not place it until... I was watching TV and I saw the previews for the new movie, Napoleon, with Joaquin Phoenix. And I, would, I did the Leonardo DiCaprio pointing meme. That's it. 
That's what it reminds me of. <laughs> That's Jimbo. Jimbo is Napoleon. Napoleon was a great, great general, but he kept to the same strategy every single time, whereas his opponents always learned from his strategy and adapted. And thus, that's why he failed. And this is the problem with Jimbo. Jimbo never deviated from his playbook. He never added anything new. He did not. And, and you know, and he had the best recruiting class. He was given so much money to recruit the best and everything. And it still wasn't working. And I'm like, it's not the kids. It's not the players. It's the coach. And well, yeah, we saw that this year, too, because, I mean, how many times have we commented about yes. a Texas A&M game where they cannot score in the second half? And that's indicative of the it's opponent always, making always. adjustments. Yes, always. Coming up with a defensive strategy, doing something mm -hmm. to offset whatever was working in the first half. Well, Jimbo never seemed to have an answer. <laughs> or that. No, like a, he never did. Uh, and I was like, and every single time I would be on a on a chat group with my brother and my sisters, and it would be the same thing. Oh, just, oh, here comes the third quarter where we lose everything. And my brother would just get so upset. And I'm like, you're only upset because I'm not wrong. That's the <laughs> only reason you're upset. And and he was like, just give him a chance. And I'm like, I've been giving him a chance for the last four years. I don't know what you want me to do. And here we go. We go up against Mississippi State. We win, and the following day, we're, like, in talks to get rid of him. And I'm like, we still have two other games to go and a possible bowl. And you want to get rid of him now? Today? Like, no, this should have happened, like, last spring. But I don't know. The, I, I think the Board of Regents is, like, on crack or something. So, you know, like I Mike just, said. It doesn't make any damn sense that this guy can suck this hard get fired and can basically retire. He doesn't have to oh, do a damn thing. His payoff is 75 over. million? Is that yes. what it was? It was it's close to 75. 75 How the hell do you get 75 million for something sucking. like that? I mean, I don't know. But this is the problem. Back in 2021, they renewed his contract. And I'm like, "No, you cannot do that. He had a losing season. You cannot renew the contract." Mm -hmm. The entire association of former students. And yes, we have former students. We do not have alumni. And I don't want to get into the discussion about that, but let's just go here. <laughs> the entire association of former students was beyond livid. And yes, they don't have any pull. They don't have any say or anything. But we raise money for scholarships that are given to kids that are also in the football um, program. So our money goes to this program as well. And here's the Board of Regents voting to renew a contract that we felt was a complete and total failure in the first place. And we, there were talks to stop the contract and everything, but like I said, we just, all we can do is donate money. So what happens? Uh, we stop donating. And I don't, I don't understand the renewal, though. Why would they re-up the guy? Because they never explained. He renewal. didn't deliver on anything the last no. few years. No. And I I, I was really, I, I looked and looked and looked. I could not find anything that spoke about the renewal. What the, there was no 
reason to renew that contract. They should have just let it expire. We would have been rid of him next year instead of seven years from from now or whatever it was and avoided this entire payout. He does not have to work ever again. And you know what? If I were Jimbo, I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even be a commentator. I would just like, go I don't to the understand the the concept of a guaranteed contract for a head coach because there's you know you you put at least in the pros a lot of times they put in incentive clauses for you know you get so many sacks you throw so many touchdowns you got you know you bonus up as a result hit this benchmark and you get paid more. All, all I know is that there's poor someone is somewhere giving the side eye. Going, what the shit? Because he only got he got less than ten million for his payout. Yeah. <laughs> and at the time, uh, you know, his payout was pretty big. But I mean, I'm like, he, Sutherland was a, in my opinion, suited Texas A&M a lot better than Jimbo ever did. Jimbo just, it was just his name. He, I just, and for the life of, and the, here's the thing. I didn't even know about this guy until after he came to AM. And then I started seeing his record over at FSU and what he did at FSU. And I thought, well, you know, maybe he will, you know, keep developing that same thing over here. And I waited and waited and waited and it wasn't happening. And I'm like, why was he so great over there, but not over here? I don't understand. And it clicked finally. He never changed his program. He never changed anything. He felt what worked over at FSU, he brought it with him, and then he did not develop past that. And that was the biggest failing as a coach that I've ever seen. And yet, you know, he rested on his laurels. He rested on his name. Everybody thought he was great. Blah, 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 blah. Then he had this little tiff with Nick Saban. And and I'm like, you know what? I love a good telenovela. But even this telenovela didn't have any teeth. I was like, you, you're you're acting like bitchy little girls. Give me something. They couldn't. So I was like, fine. Left it alone. Moved on. And still, I still, this was just so stupid. The, the whole renewing of the contract was quite possibly the biggest mistake that the Board of Regents ever did. And it's going to hurt the Board of Regents. I can already tell you that because this payout is not going to come from from um, from at the Association of Former Students at all. That none of the people that actually actively give to the university they they've actually stopped. I know lots of people that are like, "Yeah, I'm not giving any more money. I'm not. This is this is ridiculous." Until they fix this, we're not giving any money. I stopped two years ago and I was a Century Club member. And I was like, no, you know what? I'm just going to give direct scholarships instead. They're not going to go through the university anymore. And that's what we're doing. But uh, this is, you know, this is, this is to the point where the Association of Former Students is now wondering um, if they should start a different scholarship fund that is not part of the slush fund, so to speak, you know, 
it's it, it, yeah it, it's gotten to the point where there are fractures going on and that's really hard because A&M prides itself on being very united and conservative very traditional university not any not when it comes to this no now they're really really upset <laughs> well hopefully but we did win a game better better management and better field general can be found well you know i was like i said i was talking to my brother and i said we need to get back to the basics and get some a coach that will teach them gridiron football next year that's what we need to do and he was like i don't understand i don't understand what you mean by that i don't i don't get why you would think gridiron would be and i said because you need to teach Every single football player, both offense and defense, and then you gauge what they're better at, and then you determine which side they're going to be played. But um, but you're you're you don't know what recruits you have. We really don't know what kind of recruits we have because you know most of them came because of Jimbo. Now Jimbo is going to be gone, so we don't know what kind of recruits we're going to have. We don't know. If some of them are going to go through the portal now that Jimbo's not here, we don't know. We don't know anything. And I'm like, you know what? I remember that movie, Unne- uh, Necessary Roughness. Let's do that. <laughs> Let's do that. Well, I love the fact, too, that now, of course, everybody's coming up with speculation. Who's going to be the new head coach? And ironically enough, the name popping up, at least right now, is Mike Norville from Florida State University. Mm-hmm. It's been almost like uh, don't, don't you don't learn your lessons, okay? But different guy, I understand. I doubt he's going to make the jump. I don't understand this automatic move too, because FSU is a vaunted program. It's not only as well respected as anybody else, but I mean they rule the SEC a little bit more than say, or I should say the ACC, but they. They've been at the top of the polls for the last few years. And right now they're challenging for the top. What is the appeal to leave that and go to Texas A&M? Not to slam you guys, but. No, no, you can slam the, us because I'm slamming us. It's the good. The coach is at the pinnacle pretty much <laughs> right now. What, you know, why, I, why would I you don't bolt? Think we, I don't want a name. I want some unknown offensive coordinator somewhere who has spent his entire life coming up with these New drives and new ideas and everything. That's what I want. I'm not going to get it. I know it. Everybody knows it because the Board of Regents always goes after a name. But that's what I want. I want somebody, an offensive coordinator, an offensive coach who has plans, who can see past a name and who can see the kids and their abilities rather than I need to show up for this other coach. Which is basically what Jimbo was doing most of the time, you know, and it would drive me crazy. His kid drove me crazy, and I, I have, I, I know that this has nothing to do with Jimbo, but every time Jimbo was out there and his kid was there, he was wearing all sorts of weird swag, weird, weird A and M swag, and I'm going, what in the hell is he wearing? <laughs> I do not understand, but you know, it it was just uber ridiculous and. And I'm sure that Jimbo Fisher is a nice person. It's not about that. It's about your ability to adapt, change, and move forward. And it's just, he got stuck. He thought that, 
what worked for him before would work again. And I'm like, no, that's what Napoleon thought too. And look how he ended up in, in Elba. And exactly. I'm like, you can't, you can't do it. You gotta, you gotta change, you know? Well, uh, Jimbo can now go coach at Waterloo University. <laughs> I will say this, it's kind of funny though, because when people started talking about Norville as a possible jump to you know like it's not gonna happen then i see his words and he says that's really any point to talk about at all you know in a sense it's funny how sometimes these things are out there and then he goes on to say we're so excited about what we're building here what we're doing the opportunity that's ahead of us it's a special place and now i'm thinking uh uh-oh maybe he is thinking about it anytime you get these long-winded denials from head coaches all the, yeah. All the time. I I would listen to a head. You going to go to Texas A&M? No, I'm here. I got a job. Next question. You know, then okay, he's staying. But if you sit there and get into like this is Nick Saban did this all the time when he was all with the, the Dolphins. Yeah. I don't know where you guys are getting this. We're building a program here. I'm very entrenched. I got a contract. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not thinking about it. My flight leaves at six. I'm going to Tuscaloosa. I mean, it was literally like that. I mean, he went from one day denying it after, you know, weeks of denials, and he was on the plane the next day. I mean, it was that obvious. Yeah, he he was Lincoln so, Riley, he was Lincoln Riley before there was a Lincoln Riley. Just saying. Yeah, I I get that people adore Nick Saban and everything. I personally who? cannot stand. Oh. <laughs> Mike and Rex <laughs> come to mind. <laughs> I find whatever I guess so. You yeah, know, and I I won't deny the man is a really good. Coach. Oh, he's a rat bastard son of a bitch. I don't particularly care for him. All I'm going to say about that is not today, Saban. I love that. I love that. That's my favorite hashtag. And I'd love to use it. If I can just use it once a year, I'm happy. (laughs) No, it's like I'm not knocking the guy's success. The guy is clearly a college head coach. He's not a professional head coach by any stretch. Yeah, and I remember, I mean, we all remember Steve Spurrier. Mm-hmm. fantastic college football coach, but he didn't quite make it in the, you know, NFL. And now, granted he was in Tampa Bay and Washington. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but... True. True. But still, I mean, I think his legacy will live on in college football. Oh, really. absolutely. So. Yeah. He was a, he was a mastermind in college, of course. Yeah. No, I mean, Saban's successful. I'm not knocking him for that. I'm knocking him. On a personal level, though. Same. The guy's character is up there with, you know, like uh, serial killers and stuff like that. Uh, Just I'm glad I'm, I'm glad you said it because I, oh, well, I have noticed I have noticed some patterns. <laughs> he's, a, he's a son of a bitch. I'm just going to say it. Good coach. <laughs> shitty human. How about that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, well, and how did uh, the Hurricanes, how did they do? Uh, They pretty much lived up to my assessment of them all year. They played the number four team, undefeated Florida State, and they actually played them very well, like they do all year. They played good against the great teams. They play like crap and lose to the shit teams. And (laughs) they go into Doe Campbell on Saturday with a backup quarterback, and they hung with FSU the entire game. In fact, with two minutes to go, they had the ball driving for a tying touchdown. So... Make sense of that if you can. Nobody down here can. So that's, uh, there you go. And the the guy that was backing us up, 
freshman quarterback. Desperate run, has to lunge for a first down, so he's got his arm extended as he goes down and just barely gets the first down by inches and basically destroyed his shoulder in the process when he got tackled and was out. And we had to put in our injured starting quarterback, Taylor Van Dyke, for the last minute and a half, and uh, we ended up losing the game. So there you go. No, but they, they played him good pretty much all game. I mean, we were running the ball right in the first half. I think it was uh, 10 to 10 at halftime. And I don't know that we trailed more than more than by a touchdown the entire game. So I I was Not at bad. least pleased with the performance, not the result, but that's the way it goes. But Hey, speaking of tormented head coaches, <laughs> Jim Harbaugh has to ride the pine elsewhere. Not allowed oh, the stadium for the rest of the season. I just, I cannot, what is the deal? What is going on there? So this is all what everybody is referring to as the cheating scandal. I don't understand how this is cheating. I seriously don't. You know, this isn't like Bill Belichick placing cameras in the stadium so he could spy on the other team's practice right, and learn right. to plays. I mean, he would, they were, one of his assistant coaches was stealing signs of other teams. He, he figured out how to decipher what the signals were coming from the bench on the opposition. I consider that gamesmanship. You know, I always have, I mean, it's like in baseball, you know, the catcher has signals. Third base coach has steal signs, but you, you know, I remember, you know, when I was like 12, 13 and playing, we would have practices dedicated to signs because they would worry about the other team stealing them. That was part of the game. You know, they would always, you know, touch like their body parts seven different ways, like they had Tourette's or something. And, you know, he would always say, ignore everything until I touch my elbow. And then the second sign after that is what I'm sending you. And that, you know, that it would be either take or swing or steal, you know, that kind of thing. That's part of the game. I don't know why you're in trouble for figuring out what your opponent's signs are, but they that, even have... was, that was one thing that I remember in, in my baseball team in high school, they would change the signs every year. Yeah, exactly. You know, you... Because the possibility that somebody would figure them out. I mean, it, it, the possibility is there. Yeah. And it, if you watch baseball, when the catcher's, you know, flashing his fingers between his legs and it's, you know, he'll give seven or eight signs and the pitcher knows which one to read. The opposition shouldn't. And sometimes they'll go out to the mound and say, okay, you know, we're going to switch it up and it's going to be the first one and the rest are dummies or I'm going to give you four. And then the third is what you look at. And it's always part of the game. And his, his assistant coach must've been good because he even said that, they had video of him standing next to Harbaugh and he, you could see him like looking across the field and then he would lean over to Harbaugh and say something. Harbaugh would say something to his mic and then the defense would make an adjustment. And they were so known for it that TCU last season came up with dummy signals to throw off Michigan. And that's why they were able to beat them. You know, and this is, again, part of the game. But I don't understand why Harbaugh's in trouble for this. This has always been part of sports. But he is. So he has to ride somewhere else 
for the next three games. And Michigan is actually suing in court to see if they can get him back on the field for the remainder of the season. But this is what I found to be amazing. His offensive coordinator took his place this past weekend. They played Penn State. It was pretty amazing, actually. We had two games this weekend where top 10 teams met each other. Pretty rare for that to happen on the same weekend. Mm-hmm. All they did was run the freaking ball. <laughs> Literally, this is no lie. The quarterback threw the ball eight times the entire game. Wow. That's usually a good quarter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's unheard of. At one point, they ran 32 consecutive plays. I mean, pretty much just looked at Penn State like, hey, we're running the ball. Try to stop us. I mean, that was pretty much it. And they won the game. So I I can only sit here and laugh at the result and laugh at Penn State for being incapable of figuring out the game plan. And it's not like they hit the game plan. I mean, they did that over and over and over. So yeah, it's and, not like a surprise. And I loved it, too. Like, their, their number one guy, I think he – Ran for like 140, 145 yards or something. He's given the post-game press conference, and he's got a major gash on top of his nose, and the bridge of his nose, blood's on his face while he's giving the press conference, and he's in like completely IDAGF mode. <laughs> Just, <laughs> yeah, we won. We were out there. We were taking care of business. We did. We did our job. <laughs> and he just—he looks like he got in a bar fight. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I got a question, uh, you know, Brad Slager from the Michigan Standard. Uh, was it a Budweiser or a Bud Light bottle that hit you in the face? Yeah, that would be my question from the back of the room. But it's just, it cracks me up that they, they literally, that was their game plan. And Penn State had no answer for it. That is <laughs> pathetic. And Penn State is still like ranked, I think, 12th or something with two losses. Like, shut up and get down there. You, you belong in the 20s. Notre Dame should be off the list entirely. Amen to that. Um, you know, it's every time. And I haven't even checked if the uh, playoff poll came out tonight yet. I know okay. Alabama should be ranked higher than they are, in my opinion. What? Um, what? I, I, I have to give credit. No, you don't. Okay, fine. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> Uh, they they get votes automatic. They could be four and seven, and they'd still be in the top ten. Well, you have a point. <laughs> I was trying to this be. That's why nice. I said in chat they're like the Notre Dame of the SEC. It's just they get votes regardless. You know, uh, they lost because Nick Saban had a tummy ache. Oh, okay. Well, put him in number five then. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. I mean, I'm I'm going to be interested to see how the playoffs shake out, though, because it's you know, like Texas is still there, but they're not overwhelming anybody. And Washington is still undefeated, but I watch them play sometimes, and it's like they'll put up 50 points one week, and then they'll score 13 the next. Yeah, it's kind of they're they're not um... like they can't put together a complete game. It's either 45 to 42 or 18 to 15 <laughs> like the, their offense and defense can't click at the same time and have that 56 to 14 blowout. It, 
it's either just balls it's out, a, everybody it's scores. Yeah, it's not a consistent play all the time. You know, I mean, Oregon impresses me. Bo Nix is playing great. They, I, I still can't believe they lost to Washington. I thought they'd play. A, their offense played great. They just had no defense in that game. If they beat Washington, I think that I would feel better with them flipping positions as undefeated. But oh my yeah. word! Check out the the picture that uh, Al posted. Chat. <laughs> That's impressive. Um, what am I looking at? It, it didn't come up here. I think I'm. Oh, okay. Michigan, it's all the way down. It's it's the last thing posted. It, it's um, I might Michigan have to refresh. Michigan turned Blake Corm's bloody nose face into a poster inside the team's oh, there um, we go football yeah, facility. That's... And I'm like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. And that was him at the press conference. <laughs> I and I'm like that. Al, I have to agree that poster would sell. Mm-hmm. They need to release that as a poster. What cracked me up was they were doing um, like the on-field interview right after the game, and the assistant coach that was the head coach for the day, he's like out there weeping. You know, he's like this six-four guy and just tears on his face. Oh, oh, we were just, oh, we we're magnificent, and it was, it, it was just. And then he reached over, he's like, and this guy here, and Blake Corum comes up to him, he's like, yeah, okay, yeah, we won, and we kicked ass. And- <laughs> It's like the coach is like a freaking puddle, and here's Corum, and he's like, "Yeah, we just we took care of business. Yeah, we just shoved it right down their freaking throat." It's so funny. It's like, what are you crying for? You won, damn it, jeez. I just, uh, you know, I, I love uh, hearing the after a football game out on the field. You know, they're interviewing both the winning coach and the and the not winning coach. And uh, usually the, the 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 team that loses, the coach actually says, well, we should have done this and we should have done that. And uh, I think we were not prepared and blah, 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 and all that stuff and everything. None of them ever say what I want them to say. None of them do. I want one day to one of the coaches just to say, well, their team kicked our asses. <laughs> just say it. <laughs> you know, just embrace the fact that your asses were kicked by a superior team who had their shit together. I wanted to care, but most of the time it's like, oh, well, you know, we didn't prepare for this. And uh, I think that um, we should have had uh, more opportunities. And some of the calls were done wrong. Always the calls. Always oh, the yeah. calls. So I, a couple I, I of just, breaks didn't go our way. You know, we needed to have a, we needed a couple of bounces to go in our favor. Right. And I'm I, like, yeah, no. Those sideline interviews are just so worthless, too. Well, you know, we, we, we've got to start doing this, catching that ball. I mean, you know, we've had too many drops, and, uh, you know, our defense has got to get some stops. That's going to be the key to the second half. Really, it wasn't a key in the first half, Coach. That's curious. <laughs> it's almost like the Booger McFarlane studio analysis. I just absolutely love that this guy has a career. Well, you know what that team needs to do is get out there and score more than their opponent. That's going to be the key to victory. No shit, Sherlock. Thanks, Booger. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the defense out there is going to start making tackles. 
Oh, that's really. I'm, I'm going to wire that down to the bench. I'm going to tell the coaches that they have to pick up on that little detail there. Hey, Thank coach, you. let me copy that down. Yeah. Defense, yeah. maybe you should tackle this half. What do you think? Going <laughs> to try? How's that sound to you guys? Yeah. Hey, Booger, what about the offense? Should they catch the ball when they throw it to them? I think that'd be advantageous. I think you're going to see them march down the field a lot easier if they start doing that. Yes. <laughs> Dumb shit. Shut up. Yeah, it was uh, it was indeed a an interesting football weekend. I will say that. There was also, because I, uh, you know, over at Red Stand Sunday, I usually put up the... Uh, the notable scores and such in the new poll when it comes out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I just, I keep tabs on this stuff. That's what I'm saying. I'm in the loop. I'm in the know. There was, um, there was an interesting little development, let's say. Mm-hmm. Did you happen to watch the Memphis game? No. Oh, I'm shocked, Aggie, because don't nobody watch the Memphis Tigers. At all. They, they're not ranked. They're not. I'm just kidding. Ain't no reason for anybody to watch that game if you ain't in Tennessee is my point. That's where Memphis is, right? Yes. Okay, okay. <laughs> Memphis um, is actually all the way over to the west in Tennessee. So, yeah. I'm, I'm good at that geographical ology. <laughs> I got to remember that term. <laughs> that um, was my, one of my minors, you know. <laughs> We don't, call, we, we don't call them that anymore. What do we call them now? We, we call them special groups of people. Lord, God, I don't I don't have enough vodka tonight for this. Move on, go on. <laughs> kind of like dwarves, who, ironically <laughs> enough, are actually miners. Hmm. Miners. All kinds of confused. <laughs> um, but this is what played out in the Memphis game. Play goes to the sideline, ball goes out of bounds. Oh, referee saw pass interference, so he decided to throw a flag right into the jewels of one of the Memphis receivers. Oopsie. Ouch. If, if people aren't aware, the, the penalty flags they have uh, are weighted. Yes. Yeah, they have a little bit of a sandbag in them, so they throw this in order for it to you know land in a specific area. And here, this guy just whips it over his shoulders like that's pass interference, junk. Whack. Yeah. And unlike the quarterback, you just hit the receiver. So, in the okay. nuts. Um, here's my question, because this player had to uh, you know he kind of doubled over a little bit, and you can see him. With some, with with some discomfort, let's say, as he <laughs> bends forward and he still tries to trot back to the huddle, and he's like, "Oh yeah, that ain't happening." Oof. Um, how are you not wearing a cup in football? That's, I, I and okay. Sometimes they will not wear a cup because they think. Their package is too big. But here's the thing. The cup comes in different sizes. So you cannot say that. You can't say that there's the cup is just too small for you. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, you're in a sport where you're wearing a helmet, shoulder pads, various accoutrements over your appendages. Why <laughs> wouldn't you wear that? I mean... Listen, 
a lot of people, you know, women are saying, oh, you've never experienced the pain of childbirth. You know what? I, I'm, I have to go with men on this one. Women, they will go through the pain of childbirth and then promptly think about having another kid a year, maybe two down the line. Men get racked in the balls and they never want to feel that again. So I'm pretty sure that the guys have an edge on the pain level. You know, there's probably a difference here of sustained versus highly pronounced. Yeah, but here's the thing. You're playing football. You don't think you want to protect that area? I mean, that's where the most, you will experience the most pain, barring, you know, breaking uh, 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 a bone or tearing a muscle or ligaments, you know, that kind of thing. Why wouldn't you want to protect it? And I don't understand why someone would just go out there, play without it. Yeah, I. This is a full contact sport. <laughs> I mean, I, I played soccer in middle school and stuff, and I would wear a cup as a goalie. And then, you know, understand, too, I love physical contact when I played, too. So, you know, like soccer players, they're the ones you cough and they fall on the ground and roll. Yes, yes. You go to the Me, Mexico I'm, School of Falling. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I've, I would go up for the ball in a crowd and just, you know, boom. If the ball was in my hand, my next thought was, what's where's the other team so I could come down with an elbow or an ear? So, you know, like I'd, and they, they would hit me and that would just jazz me up more. I would be pumped. I loved it. Probably why I segued into hockey. Uh, <laughs> even so, you know, I knew I loved the contact. I also didn't love getting somebody kicking a ball from five feet away from me. It could possibly crack Hurt me you. right in the yeah. right. Yeah. I don't want I mean, my franks and beans to turn into scrambled eggs. Is what I'm saying. So, <laughs> I remember I that. Just, <laughs> I, I took precautions even in that non-contact sport. Well, well I mean, football you know, player to get taken out of a game because he got hit with a penalty flag cracks me up. I, you know, I'm a big fan of boxing, being Puerto Rican and everything, and you know, I know the rules of boxing, and one of them is you don't hit below the belt, okay? Which is why sometimes you see them wearing, you know, their 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 boxing shorts are kind of high up. Because they're, that's where the belt is defined. It's not defined at the actual waist. It's below the belt, not below the waist. So, uh, but you know, they all wear. They all wear a cup. And yes, sometimes somebody will will punch and will hit them there or whatever. And yeah, they'll have to walk it off. But be, but they all wear a cup, and at least you get some kind of protection. And if, that's a constant. You know, that is a full contact sport. And then you have, hell, baseball is not a full contact sport. And you know they wear it, you know. that. Yeah. So for I don't understand why a football player would choose not to. I know and it's not comfortable, but dude. I, the other like, thing is, too, you don't want to let your opposition know that you are let's just say that vulnerable <laughs> I'm pretty sure that later in the game, if he was, you know, making a catch up the middle and there was a tackle that uh, somebody in the secondary, you know, once they go down to the ground would probably 
ball up a fist and maybe make some inadvertent contact in the same area that he caught the penalty flag. You know, I mean, you just that that, all, that happens. All I mean, I I just I don't understand why you would skip out on something like this. I mean, we women have very sensitive areas outside of the body as well. Nothing that sensitive, I don't think. Um, I mean, you get you get hit a certain way there, and it renders you. For, I had a dog a bite my upper pectoral area, <laughs> <laughs> and I had a bruise like you guys would not believe. And luckily, the dog did not um, break the skin or anything. But I had the teeth, you know, on top and the teeth on the bottom it, it made to actually bite me on the breast and it grabbed a hold you know and it hurt but you know I was like 15-20 minutes later I was fine my neighbor was scared to death that something you know she wanted me to go to the hospital she was going to take me blah 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 and it was like it didn't break the skin we're good it's fine she had a very protective dog and she saw me on her on her mistress's lawn and felt that I was an intruder. So she charged at me. And that's that's why I, I was bitten there. So my neighbor was a good friend of mine. And she was also in the medical corps. She came over and was like, can I can I see the damage? I just, you know, I want to make sure that you're okay and all that stuff. And I said, sure. And, you know, so I, I showed it to her and she was like, oh, she was just beside herself. She's like, I, I got to take you in. I cannot, I cannot in good conscience, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, it's fine. I'm fine. It didn't break the skin. She doesn't have rabies, meaning her dog, you know, mm -hmm. she, everything's cool. I got bit on the tit and still cannot imagine the pain that men go through when they get hit in that area. I just can't even conceive it. I've given birth and I still can't conceive of that pain, which is why it makes no sense for somebody to go out there without a cup in a sport like this. Yeah, our uh, our wedding tackle is kind of curious that way, I gotta say. It's just, I mean, there's been times where I don't even get hit necessarily and yet I get that alerting jolt of pain like I, if i'm wearing um i've had times where i was wearing like a swim trunk or something you know with a liner on the inside and you know like somebody would tug the suit or something and then the liner would slide up against you and hit you in a certain way and you're like son of a i think uh, we should change I, the subject because need like actually... 90 seconds here just, just <laughs> hump your asses over there i'm gonna be i i am I'm reading the chat and I'm crossing my legs and I'm like tensing up because it just feels so painful to read this stuff. <laughs> oh my goodness. I I do hope the um the player has fully recovered and has learned a lesson. <laughs> and I'll leave with that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and now um... everybody knows something about Aggie that nobody did before. <laughs> <laughs> you've got rabid boobs ah that was let me tell you that bruise was <laughs> spectacular 
It was all shades. I mean, I had the whole Rainbow Coalition right there. <laughs> I uh, I stumbled across. I, we didn't talk about this, but real briefly, it, they're they're finally running the F one automobile race in Vegas this week. I've I've been hearing about this damn race for like two months. It seems like. Oh yeah. They're finally running it this weekend. Um. A lot of a lot of upheaval and disturbance in the F1 world, I guess. You know, for, for one, they're running at nighttime, and you know, I'm I'm not a big F1 fan because for one, they uh, not a lot of passing in that sport. Pretty much, the starting grid is going to be the finishing grid. You don't see, you know, there might be something going on in the pits, and there could be a little change there, but you don't see actual like passing on the roadway. It's very tight. You know, for all the mockery that they give the nascar at least there's action <laughs> they're going in a circle it's like yeah but at 200 miles an hour and they're, and they're all each turning other left <laughs> they're knocking doors and they're pissing each other off and it's you know it's kind of cool f1 is like cordial speed mm-hmm. excuse me coming by pardon but the 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 running at night is throwing them off because they're in the desert, which actually gets cold at night this time of year. It's going to be running in yes, like the does. 50s. And these machines, the, the, the cars they drive are like so meticulously fine-tuned. I mean, I've, I've watched some documentaries and stuff about how they do it. Like if you the, – the guy in the cockpit driving can't do certain things or else he'll screw the car up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like when they wheel it out of the garage, literally it's on rollers because they don't want to, you know, if we over rotate the tires by an eighth of a turn, that could throw off the symmetry of the others. We don't want to, I mean, it, it is that kind of thing. And by running at night, the track is going to be a lot colder than they anticipate, and it's completely throwing them off with the tires. You know, oh, the tires are used to running in heat and stuff, and they have to put warm like blankets on the tires that are in the garage that they change onto the cars i'm trying to wrap my head around that wow it's like how freaking pampered are you like they they had to do an allowance for this well the f1 officials didn't realize how cool it would be at night so the, the the warming blankets will be placed on tires before the pit stops I'm sorry. Wow. It's like, <laughs> can you nut up a little bit? And I'm kind of fascinated on one thing. Have you ever watched the pit stop at F1? They're like five seconds. Mm-hmm. For one, they have, I think, 12 guys that hop over. But they line up on either side. The car pulls up, and it's just like, boom, tires off, tires on, drink, go. And they fuel up in like two seconds somehow. But it's very quick. You know, NASCAR, at least, I, I appreciate NASCAR because they got like a nice, it's almost like a redneck ballet. You know, they have to sit there and hit six lug nuts to pull off, throw the tire, another guy puts it on, boom, slam it on. The lug nuts are already glued on ahead of time, zam, 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 run around to the other side. You know, the jack man's got to be on both sides of the car ahead of them and. I mean, there's some damn skill involved. It ain't all this like high tech, you know, press two buttons and he's back on the road. You got to actually do crap is what I'm saying. I'm kind of an American on this whole racing thing, if you can tell. 
I I can tell. I can tell. All right, F1 or pussies, I'll just say it. (laughs) (laughs) But this is, this was curious. I did not see this coming. Um, Because F1's an international sport, it's always a glamorous event wherever it takes place. And they have all of the, you know, high tech entertainments and laser shows and anything that's going on with the fans where you can go buy your trinkets and everything else. They call it the paddock. That's just the tradition at F1. Yes. Yes. That's, that's right. Can't do that in Vegas. Because that was actually the surname of the Las Vegas shooter six years ago. Oh, right, right, right. The one who we still don't know the manifesto for. We still don't Mm. know. It's still an ongoing investigation, and yet we don't know anything about it. That one. Yeah, that's that's a bit of curiosity, huh? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. How many lives did it take? 70? Something like that? I mean... Yeah, I don't know. It seems like there should be some information about that. We don't know jack about anything that happened that night outside of what actually happened. Nope. Curious. We still do not. Curious is all. But anyway, they they won't be able to refer to the entertainment zone as the paddock this coming weekend for that very reason. So what are they going to call it? I, I don't know. The Euro trash zone or something like that. And... <laughs> I don't know. The what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Well, that was uh, interesting, I guess. <clears throat> so that's something, but um, I don't know. Keeping with our other theme, we could do we could do some drinking for here. Well, I mean, I've been doing drinking, but some drinking news. Mm-hmm. This comes from the Sun, U.S. edition of the British newspaper. They've come up with a ranking of the biggest drinkers in the world by nation. It's um basically a measurement of the top 33 wealthy nations and wanted to rate them on heavy episodic drinking. (laughs) I'm going to call it that next time I go out. Now I'm going to just, just a little bit. I'm only having a heavy, heavy episodic night tonight. (laughs) (laughs) So the, uh, the way they did this measurement was, they asked people over the course of the last month, have you had any day where you consumed six or more drinks in a sitting? And then ranked everybody. <laughs> That's the, uh, who had six or more drinks in one sitting in the past month? The results, I think, are a little bit surprising. I don't know that anybody would have tabbed the top two countries. Any guess? Well, I know. I already know because you told oh. me. Oh, damn it. I did, didn't I? Spoiler You did. Alert. You did. But number but... one, coming in at 37%, Denmark. 
Okay. Yeah, because it's the size of a postage stamp, okay? Go on. Well, this is where I'm going, yeah. The, I, I think this is a population issue. Number two is Romania, 36%. Um, first time we see an expected entry is at number three with the United Kingdom. Number four is Luxembourg. Okay, Luxembourg is the size of a postage stamp. Yeah. It's, I mean, I'm not even kidding. I've been there. I went through the entire place in 20 minutes. Yeah, if you find three drunks, I think you're in the top 10. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Um, then finally, Germany, as expected. Belgium, Australia. Ireland makes it at eight. The United States lands at 10. <laughs> Which, again, I think is a bit diluted because of our population. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just got to crack up. It's like, oh, in the last month, have I had six or more in one sitting? Yes. Yeah. There there uh, was a football game this month, so of yes. Of course, yes. <laughs> Please. I could do six in happy hour. <laughs> Mike said number three was Pennsylvania. <laughs> I mean, it was kind of funny at, um, like, you know, Friday we went out for my birthday. So, you know, we hit the usual haunts at about 7 or 8 o'clock. And, you know, because we, we, we have a Nat, there's a NASCAR crowd. They, now they've kind of filtered out, of course, because the end of the season. But these people, they would show up on Friday and they do a, a pool. Everybody throws in money. They do a random drawing it for all the numbers and your driver number and see if it comes in and then you can win the pool, that kind of crap. But mm-hmm. this most of this crowd is like people older than me. And I don't know, for whatever reason, this aggravates the wife too. She's like, I'm gonna go the old people in there. So we will go now at like seven thirty, eight o'clock. So we come in and all our friends and the regulars are there, sat down, order a beer, and I mean within thirty seconds. I had like five or six poker chips in front of me because everybody's buying me a beer for my birthday. So I think we should have bumped the United States up to nine. We should have. You you alone can bump it up mm-hmm. to nine. <laughs> Just say it. But uh, it's, uh, I, I think that's the issue is when you base it on population counts. I mean, Denmark, mm-hmm. Romania, Luxembourg make the top five. Stop it. Yeah, they're very tiny countries. Romania, I, I can understand Romania. I mean, look where it's hanging out. Kind of close knows. to the Eastern Bloc. Former what are you going to do in Romania anyway? Yeah, I'm just saying. I mean, that is where Transylvania is looking. You drink Bloody Marys. That's all you do. I mean, what Yeah, really Bloody Marys. <laughs> I mean, I, any of these They're countries, I would kidding. say this. Her name was Mary. <laughs> you come out to an NFL game when we're tailgating. We get in the gates at 8 o'clock. I've got six hit before 9.30. Okay? I'm just saying. Gosh. I, And yet, you know me. I would I'd nurse one for six hours. <laughs> yeah, but also, I'm like four of you. This is true. <laughs> There's a little bit of a difference there. This is true. This is true. No, we go tailgate, and it's funny at the Dolphin games, especially. I still haven't figured these guys out, but like the, we always go for the Bills Dolphin game 
one of the wife's best friends from the military days. He's got season tickets, always spits them out to us. We go one aisle over tailgating. You know, we get it. We're, we're like at the stadium at 730 waiting for the gates to open. That's how serious these people are. One aisle over, they set up a full bar. I'm talking like not just, oh, you know, card table with some bottles on it. No, this is a bar. They have shelves with the liquor on it, 40 different kinds. They have bar stools, flag set up and everything else. And they ring a bell like every 30 minutes. And they, they just sit there with a, a tray full of shooters filled with free shots. They ring a bell and people just show up and drink for free. And it's like, I have no idea who funds this, why they do this. Wow. They do it. I mean... Wow. We'll, we'll sit there and talk, you know. It's like, I haven't seen you in ages. Yeah, what have you been up to? Ding, ding, ding. Gonna be right back. And <laughs> be right back. I gotta go get my drink. <laughs> my freebie. <laughs> yeah, and I I I wanna say they're sponsored by like a grocery chain or like Publix or something. Maybe I'm speculating. It's like, what the hell are you guys doing? <laughs> they, they don't take okay. any money. They don't do it's just here, have a have shirts, yeah, have two. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, I will. Thank you. So, yeah, we we'll, <laughs> smile yeah. and wave, boys. Smile and wave. <laughs> like the first time oh, I man. went out there with her, and she's like, "Man, you're really tying it on there." And it's like, "Do you know what the price of beer is inside the stadium?" Hell yeah, I'm tying it on right now. Eleven dollars for a sixteen ounce draft. Give me a break. Yeah, please. Yeah, you can buy an entire six pack of the good stuff for less than that. <laughs> like, you know, Shiner is yeah. 10, I think, where I'm at. It's 10 where I'm at. Yeah, so. You go right across the street and get a sixer. Yeah, I don't want to talk to you about going across the street. Me that has to travel two counties over <laughs> to go to a liquor store. <laughs> No, I, I can I get a cider here. I, I, can, I walk I, across the street and grab a couple of frozen pizzas and hit the liquor shop and, and back home again. And yeah. Okay, Mr. Civilization. I get it. Anyway. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I believe it or not, I was kind of driven to drink this past weekend by, of all people, the Catholic Church. Ooh. Oh, yeah. So, so you had your communion wine, is what you're saying? No, I went straight to vodka. <laughs> I skipped the communion wine completely. Actually, this I learned about this. Uh, when when was I? Um, this was uh, last week. It was last week, and there's one thing that the Catholic Church has been. Re- Rejecting and that's gender transition is completely rejected. It's it's rejected by the uh, the conference of the Catholic bishops. It's rejected by many dioceses and pretty much catechism, everything, doctrine, uh, the papal uh, seat. Everybody has rejected it until last week, and. You know, a lot of um, people have complained that some Catholics have decided to transgender, uh, you know, go go through transgender um, 
surgery, you know, they wanted to blah, 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 and all that stuff. The problem with that is that it is strict doctrine that we Catholics believe to be immutable. And that is, you don't change your sex, your gender, because what you're basically saying was that God was wrong and God isn't wrong. According to Catholics, God is never wrong. There are mistakes that are done in nature, and that's genetic mutations and everything, but that's all part of what we conceive as a greater plan. These genetic mutations have led to us evolving in certain ways. So we cannot say that those are mistakes. But when you decide to change your gender, you're basically saying, well, I was born in the wrong body. God made a mistake. Yeah, we don't do that. We don't say that in the Catholic Church. We just do not because that is not true. God doesn't make mistakes. So it has been rejected for a very long time. And there are some Catholics, a very small minority, that have been fighting to get accepted. And last Wednesday, the Vatican just decided to issue out a completely contrasting statement saying that it is permissible under certain circumstances for trans people to be baptized in the Catholic Church and even serve as godparents. And I just... I I noticed you said godparent and not godfather or godmother. I said godparents, yes. And... God neutral. um, (laughs) Exactly. And it is mind-blowing, okay? Um, But the caveats are very interesting because if it doesn't cause a scandal, okay, and or disorientation among other Catholics in the church, and by disorientation, they mean that Catholics feel that they now need to leave the church church because of this is this is going on right so if that doesn't occur then the transgender person they can receive the baptism under the same conditions as other people and it also says that those that have undergone the transition surgery you know uh, they can serve as godparents under certain conditions And this stems from um, a decision that was done by the Vatican back, I want to say it was 2014, 2015, around that time in Spain, there was a a trans man who wanted to become a godparent, and the church said no. And it went all the way to the Vatican, and the Vatican said no. Now, keep in mind, this was 2015. So I'm like, what has changed in that time to make the Vatican all of a sudden, after so many years of adhering to doctrine, to saying, okay, yeah, we can do it. And all I have, I have two words for you, Pope Francis. With a caveat son of, of a bitch. Jesuits. Every time. <laughs> every single fucking time, it's a Jesuit. And I sure think he enough, was the uh, offensive coordinator for Notre Dame as well. I, I was like, I, he has been pushing for the Catholic Church to be more welcoming to LGBTQ people. Here's the thing. 
We've never shunned them. You just have to keep that shit to yourself. That's your sin. You have to deal with it. But that doesn't mean that you're excluded from observing, you know, mass, communing with the rest of us. <coughs> I don't go to church to tell everybody I'm heterosexual. My sex, my sexual life does not enter into the Catholic Church. That's, that shit stays out of it. It's kind of like in the military, which really, this really pisses me off. You're not allowed to be heterosexual in the military. You can't be out there holding hands with your wife or your spouse or whatever. That's not allowed. But the moment they said, oh, no, gays can do it, that's fine. But if you're heterosexual, you still can't do it. Did you know that? Um, I've, I've heard things of that nature where, yeah. Like, yeah so you, here we have, like, a, you can't fraternize, but if you're the same sex or something, then it's, you know, oh, then oh, they oh, let we're, it slide. we're encouraged. Our behavior. Yeah. Then it, they let it slide. Yeah. So, um, there, well, did you, you know, see the, uh, recent recruitment commercial that came out from the army? No. Are you going to make me mad? I'm more mad than I am now. I mean. <laughs> Probably. I mean, it, should, it seems to happen naturally. So I'm just going to go with yes. I don't No, This was like an army commercial from 20 years ago. It was all just beefcake alpha males kicking ass and taking names. And everyone was like, what? Wait, well, what happened to your woke shit? Oh, hell, we're boned. We're actually going to war, aren't we? Uh -huh. <laughs> recruitment has been in the shitter for the last couple of years ever since they oh, got I on their woke oh i was raised by two mothers who told me that i can be anything that i want and i can achieve my goals and i can go to the military and i can uh do some digital kind of job and stuff and things and and now that they're sitting there pumping the complete I mean, testosterone-filled commercial. Everyone's like, oh, geez, we're going to war, aren't we? They need actual soldiers now. <laughs> I mean, I saw that ad come up, and I put it on my Twitter feed a week or so ago. And I just did a picture of that one asshole sitting at a desk that had a plaque that said, my pronouns are she, her, and it's a dude. Oh, God. And then that other ass face that had his full dress uniform on and his leather dog face oh yes yeah like the yeah there's face. a little bit of a shift in their recruiting target all of a sudden i wonder what's going on so yeah it, it has been a freaking embarrassment the last few years and military's doing and, well and and you know a lot of people are like well when did this start and some of it did start during the clinton administration with the whole don't ask, don't tell, which is very, it was a very clumsy um, compromise, but it was yeah. still a good, com it was still a compromise, you know. Um, well, that was his three-fifths compromise, literally. Yeah. I called it that. That's exactly what it was. Yes, you're right. And, and, and it worked for a time. It was, like I said, it was clumsy, but it, it kind of worked. We just didn't ask. You didn't say. We didn't care. You're not supposed to. Sex doesn't enter into well, the military. I've always said that, too. When they said, don't ask, don't tell, I said, that, that was always the case. That was always the case. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't like you walked uh, in the door and like, how you doing? I'm bread. I'm a heterosexual you know, I mean, private when you have, here. 
you know, you have a, a varied history of the military, the Swamp Fox, who was uh, an amazing uh, uh, member of the military. He was gay. And I mean, there have been many gay people who served, but they served because they wanted to serve the country and not because I want to be the first gay this or the first gay that. That was being gay did not enter into the, you know, the equation. And then during the Obama years, and it's really funny because a lot of people were like, oh, yeah, I remember when he did that. I totally forgot about that. There was a memo that went out of a questionnaire that all of the brass had to fill out. And depending on how you filled out this questionnaire, you were going to be drummed out of the military. You were going to be sent to desk jobs until you got out. They filtered a lot of people out and put a lot of the woke brass, what we call woke brass now, in. You know, that's how it started. And, you know, case in point, Millie is like the most, most blatant example of this. He literally rose to his level of incompetence. Well, look, also, too, don't we have um, on the Joint Chiefs, we've got the Navy Admiral. Yes. And, Rachel, you know, whatever. All I know about that individual is that he, the, she, it is trans. I have no idea what their accomplishments are. They have accomplished absolutely nothing. And the thing is, when you look at their record, their record is mostly their titles. And the longer the title, the less they accomplished. And this per that person's titles are huge. They're very long. That, that has always been my case in government and education. If an individual or a department has a multi-syllabic title, that they're less consequential. It, it has, it, you know, the military has you know, become a, a, a joke. And I mean, give me a general admiral. I'm on board. Military attache, first adjunct vice president, corporal of the get the hell out of my room. Yeah, it's it's, it's completely insane how how it's deteriorated. It really has, but, but anyway. it, yeah, and to see the church going down this road is and and that's what you know. You have you have these. Jesuits that are pushing for this have been pushing to have LGBTQ people being recognized in the church. Um, they think that this is a, a, a good first step. And I'm like, why do we have to recognize them? You don't get to recognize me when I'm in the church. I don't get any recognition. I'm just a parishioner. There is nothing to recognize me for unless I do some kind of charity work and they happen to be recognizing me for the charity work, and that's it. I don't get recognized for being heterosexual. I don't get recognized for being female. I don't get recognized for having been a mother. I don't get recognized for any of these things. But these people want to showcase LGBTQ people and mostly fatigue people, I've noticed. Because I know for a fact several friends of mine who happen to be um, gay are active members of the church and they've never had a problem. Not once. But the T people, 
those are the ones that that they're now pushing for under the guise of LGBTQ issues. But LG, they've never had an issue with the Catholic Church. They've always been in the Catholic Church. It's the T that's the problem. And that the issue with the T is that the T takes it to the point where it says God is wrong. That's why they're trying to, and they're saying, oh, but this is not part of doctrine. There's nothing in the doctrine that says, um, you know, trans, transgenders cannot be uh, godparents and that cannot take baptism. It's like people who say God is wrong are forbidden from taking baptism, from taking communion. Why? Because Satan, Lucifer himself, said God was wrong. That's part of the doctrine. That is part of the Catholic doctrine. And I'm just like, and you guys are saying, okay, but they're, you know, we're just not understanding them. No, I understand perfectly well what's going on. And it's an infiltration that is taking place and it has been taking place for a couple of decades now. And now it's coming to fruition. And I just don't. So we have a Jesuit for a pope, a pope. But I don't understand all of this genuflecting, not just the church, I'm talking in general, to the trans community because they are such a small minority. I don't, I don't understand it either. They have no influence. So why is the media, why is the government so hell-bent on, in the yes, appropriate term, on catering to them? To this degree, I'm not saying ostracize them, kick them out. They don't have rights or anything of the sort. But why are we giving them such preferential treatment the last few years? That just baffles the hell out of me. It has never been about equal rights. It has always been about superior rights. And this is what I've tried explaining to people. When it was, I'm, I, you know, I fight for gay rights. I've always asked, what rights are you missing? Outside of marriage, what rights are you missing? They could not name a single one. So I said, so fight for marriage, but don't say gay rights. Because you have every right that I enjoy. And even even marriage, you have the right to marriage. It just has to be somebody of the opposite sex. You still have that right. Yeah, but anytime a special interest group starts to do their lobbying, their laws have to be specialized, not equal, not balanced. I went through this with gay friends. When they were uh, trying to pass some discrimination laws mm-hmm. in the workforce, and the Republicans were modifying the language because all the language is very specific. You can't discriminate against gays, and they said, "Well, how about we just say you can't discriminate? Period. Sexual preference, religion, race, creed, what have you." You know, we're all Americans. There's no discrimination. And there were gay activists that got mad about that. Like, no, you can't do that. Like, well, you're included. You're, this protects you just the same. We're just protecting other people too. They didn't want that. And, and I'm not saying all gays, I'm saying specific, but I mean, I've, I've gotten in arguments and lost a friend over this too. And they're, they're like, no, no, they're, they're completely bastardizing the law. It's like, no, they're making it encompassing. You know, you, you can't fire you for being gay. Can't fire her for being a woman. Can't fire him for being old. It's discrimination, period. All Americans are covered. You're an American. You're covered. Yeah, but that's not the same. And that's ruining. And 
they wanted special set-asides. And, the, and we're seeing this with the trans community. It's like on steroids. Oh, yeah. I remember when um, when the same-sex marriage came on the, on the scene and uh, there was a couple, uh, two gentlemen who wanted to get married in Boston and they got married. Well, then they wanted to not be married anymore. So they said, well, we're just not going to be married anymore. And the court said, no, you actually have to divorce. And they said, but we're gay. And the court said, but you're married. You <laughs> wanted to be married. Now you have to go through the process of dissolving that marriage. And the process is divorce. They didn't want to deal with the bad side. They wanted just the good stuff. And there was another a lesbian couple that was like, you have to go through divorce. That's how marriage is validated. That's how our right to marry can be validated. You know, and, and I think they're still married. But, you know, they were interviewing that particular because the women had been like the second couple to get married in Boston under the new law. And and they were just stunned that these guys were like, oh, no, we're just dissolving it. And it's like, no, you can't just dissolve it. You wanted this right, which means you have to take the, the bad that comes with it as well. And they were they were they were appalled that these men were just going to dissolve, you know, just walk away, and like the marriage never happened, and because that would also that would destroy their marriage, you know, the women who had fought for that right, and so they were trying to explain it's like once you what the LGB community did not understand was that. With those rights come certain ob obligations. You can't just have the right to marry and not understand that if you don't want to be married anymore, that you have to go through the process of divorcing. That comes with the right to marry. And, you know, and a lot of them didn't want that. They just, they wanted the good part, but they didn't want the bad part, you know. And it was very eye-opening to see. Well, they wanted the rights. They didn't want the responsibility. Yeah. And so when one of the things, another thing that happened was um, uh, the, these people were working for Disney and they got married and they lost certain um, benefits that went to same-sex couples that were not married. And they were upset about that. And Disney was like, but you're married now. And they were like, but we're gay. Yeah, they ran and into Disney... this with the, uh, what, what wasn't common law, what they call them. When, when they didn't have gay marriage available, they had to say um, mm -hmm. civil unions mm -hmm. is what it was. And this qualified, you know, their same-sex partner for benefits and such at workplace. Right. And then they found out that, oops, this led to a problem because there were heterosexual civil unions. And they right. wanted the same. Well, the gay activists got angry about that. Mm -hmm. They didn't no, want no, they the heterosexual. They can get married. We can't. Right. So but once we, they got married, those what do you care? civil yeah, that, union things went away and they got mad about that. And I'm like, you can't have it both ways. 
And this is this is what I mean by them wanting superior rights. They wanted to yeah. keep it all and not have the bad stuff that came with it, you know, follow them too. And and I was like, no, that's not gonna work. And this is and this is why it's very what's going on in the Catholic Church is very dangerous because what they're saying is, oh, it's not doctrine. And I'm like, it's literally the first thing that Peter said when he built the church upon the rock. God is never wrong. <laughs> and I'm like, it is, it is the first doctrine, the first thing that was written down for the Catholic Church. And you're telling me that, oh, no, it's not doctrine. You know, we, we need to recognize these people. I was like, no, I don't have to recognize anybody. I don't have to recognize a damn person. I don't even have to recognize a person that I shake hands with at church. That is not a requirement for me to attend mass and, you know, do my prayers and, and, and do what, the, no, I do recognize them, obviously. You know, I shake hands and, you know, I talk to them after church and whatnot, but I don't have to recognize their sexual orientation. There is nothing in the catechism that says I have to do that. So I don't understand why they're pushing the T people in the church to be recognized when the gays cannot be recognized yet. Well, I'm also curious as how many trans individuals are pushing for this because usually they are know- rather antagonistic towards the church yes exactly and i know only of three instances in the church it globally i only know of three instances that's it i know the one in spain and there was one in uh somewhere on the east coast here and one in italy those are the only ones that i've heard about that's it so but like I said, I know gays that are Catholic and I know that they go through communion and everything and they keep that part to themselves. And it, it, it's not, a, it, I, I don't understand why they're trying to push the T. And this is scary. It scares me as a Catholic because I, this Pope is not acting in the best interests of the church at all. I'm like, when he invited the Muslim imams to to the Vatican, I was like, "Are, are you kidding me right now? You don't no do sense. that." The Archbishop has of Canterbury has never been invited. <laughs> and I'm like, and, and admittedly, yeah, okay. The the Church of Christ kind of broke off from. Yeah, I get it. It was all about the divorce and Henry VIII and blah 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 blah. But still, you know, we have more in common with them than we do with you know the Muslim faith or Islam or whatever you want to call it. And I, I was just like, I, I, I can't believe this is going on. Oh, this is for, you know, to establish peace. Yeah. Then you go to them. They don't come to you. And when I brought this up in church, you know, uh, you know, my priest was like, he didn't understand it either. And he just would not speak of it because he felt that this would take a lot of discussion and he just didn't have the time for that at the, you know, that particular yeah, day, you know, and, and I was like, you know, I, I, I was just like, I, it just makes no sense to me, but what do I know? I'm just a Catholic chick. I mean, 
I'm, I mean nothing to the church or whatever, to the pap- to the papacy. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Anyway, you are vital. I, Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. <laughs> I know we we spent a long time talking about sports and the church, but I, I it is the top of the hour, and I'm pretty sure you're being kicked out of the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm is. <laughs> what do we have uh do we have rick show afterwards i don't know i don't think so but anyway well um i could throw at least one more topic out archaic burners So this would fall under our weekly research and science Uh, entry here. This would uh, kind of appeal to you, I think, actually. I mean, we're talking bone samples and excavations and stuff. This is right up your alley. So scientists have examined bone samples from people who lived in Milan, Italy in the 1600s. Okay. These people were all about the pot. <laughs> <laughs> They're finding significant amounts of cannabis residing inside of the bone samples <laughs> of these people. <laughs> so they like to they like to party. They were the they were the first flower children. <laughs> well, I suppose so. Yeah, we're talking about ancient Italian hippies. Ah, okay. I mean, uh, they talk about Greek historians wrote about flowers with psychotropic effects going back like in the hundreds of years BC era, medical records and all that. But um, speaking of the Catholic Church and renegade popes, Pope Innocent VIII passed a decree that said cannabis was an unholy sacrament. Which kind of trends to what we were talking about, because doesn't that mean God got something else wrong? Mm-hmm. Sure does. <laughs> or or could be, you know, mankind doing something incorrect with nature. Sure, he made it, but he didn't mean for you people to smoke it. well i'm sure that they were happy people and of course innocent going yeah you can't have that probably opened up the black market even more and more people had it so you know he probably said you can't have it because there was no way the catholic church could make money off of it you and i both know that (laughs) (laughs) that's what happened (laughs) quite probably the case yes all right. Well, with that, I guess we should wrap it up. So, Brad, okay, then. where can we find you? Well, I'm uh, playing my trade on a daily basis at townhall.com with my daily VIP column there called Rift from the Headlines. Also, a regular feature on the front page of Red State. And you can see my 
twice weekly podcast there called Liable Sources, where I dive into the media mayhem, ripping a new orifice into the press of our country on a regular basis. And you can hear more of me on this very network. Thursday night, I'm going to be here with Wordy Packard. And he and I are going to guide you through all the important entertainment information on the culture shift. Alternate Thursdays, me and Paul Young from ScreenRant.com guide you through the dark side of Hollywood and bad movies with disasters in the making. And, of course, every Tuesday with yourself here on the Cocktail Lounge. And if you need more of me than that, let's face it, you do head over to Jitter, and I am at Martini. <laughs> Spelled with an X. Yeah, <laughs> How about yourself, Aggie? Where can people find more of your magnificence? Uh, well, you can find me at Aggie Beacon and at Aggie the Barkeep. Those are over on X. And you can find me 8.30 p.m. Eastern, Tuesday nights, doing the Cocktail Lounge with the Eversuave View. And Friday nights, doing He Said, She Said, also at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, with, of late, my producer, Rick. That has been a lot of fun. Um, also, in case you missed it, last night was the premiere of our monthly book podcast, Spirited Books, hosted by yours truly and Jeff. And we had a lot of fun. It was great. And hopefully our next one will be December 11th. So um, we're actively looking for a guest to read a book and talk about it. So uh, if you're interested, hit me up. On, uh, on X and let me know thanks so much for joining us you guys we hope you have a lovely evening <laughs> what's so funny <laughs> I'm waiting for you to tell me say your and line say the line go raise a glass and look at the ceiling I still have to ask this question who the hell drinks with their eyes open <laughs> 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 <laughs>